Hello, my name is Dominique Drew, and this is The Art of Attraction, the premier podcast to elevate your relationships, your life, and yourself. I'm your host, Dominique Drew, an intuitive, a spiritual guide, and a seasoned expert in men's relationship coaching. I've used the methods in this podcast to completely transform my own life and relationships, and now, high performers in every industry hire me to help them do the same. Here, you will learn how to solve the issues in your inner world which keep you from real fulfillment, deep intimacy, freedom, and authenticity. Welcome to the next stage of your evolution. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Art of Attraction with Dominique Drew. I am your host, Dominique Drew. I am thrilled to have you back. Welcome, welcome. If you have followed me for a while, you know that this is my favorite space. I get to play here. I get to create. I get to teach. I get to guide. And I get to identify people that come into my world through a myriad of different ways who really strike me as having value as in deep alignment with the value that I provide for you here. And I have a guest with me by that description here, Brian Bogert. I am so, so, so excited to have you on the show. My friend. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you what. My friend, my sister. I couldn't even (laughs) wait. Like, I'm so excited to be here. We have been like psyched about this. Brian has had me on with his audience in a number of different formats as well. And uh, speaking to his audience, for which I'm incredibly grateful. And we just vibed together immediately from the beginning. So Brian, I want you to talk about yourself, about what you do. We're going to dive in. We're going to go wherever we want to go. I have no plan for today. Because the resonance that you and I really had is so effortless. It's so beyond anything logical a great example of this is I came on to your Instagram live, I think. And mm-hmm. I said something about, oh, how great Brian is. We only spoke for, you know, an hour or something. And I already felt, and he cut me off and he was like, we spoke for like 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you were exactly right. I was literally like, oh yeah, it felt like we had just known each other for just, I mean, even just having this connection for just hours. And it was, it had been like 15 fucking minutes. And so it's that type of thing. I, I just, I treasure connections like this. And I treasure them, especially in business. I've been incredibly fortunate in my life where I've found friends, I've found connections that are really powerful in this way. You are also killing it in business. You're taking your hard-earned evolution and spreading it to others and coaching from that place, which I think is phenomenal. Obviously, it's what I do as well. So please take a minute, introduce us, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, Dominique, I just reflect all of that back to you. It's incredible. I very much enjoyed all of this. And you know, here's the thing. I'm a, I'm a man. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a son. I'm a brother. I'm a friend. And everything else follows after that. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm a philanthropist. I'm a business person. I'm intellectually curious. And I have a deep fascination for the human experience and what causes us all to connect or disconnect from ourselves and each other. What causes each and every person to either look external only or to be able to be deeply connected with who they are on the inside and recognize that that's a manifestation of everything that will be. And I just love people. And so for years, people have said, Brian, what are you like expert in? Right? Because I've done a lot of different things. And when I get into something, I go deep, 
right? Like I'm just one of those that's like, I want to know everything. I want to have all the tools. I want to make sure that I'm prepared. And, and a lot of that comes from my past and the trash that I've been carrying from a long time that caused me to believe that I could only receive love and connection through validation and performance. Mm, yes. Right? That I was chasing all the what's of the world when really I was in need of who, but I didn't have a healthy model of what that looked like. And so I have many seasons of my life. I've had many traumas in my life and we'll unpack, I'm sure, some of those things. But who I am is just someone who's here every day recognizing that there is no final destination, just constant evolution of self. And the more I can exist as the observer and participant in my life real time, the more I exist in minutes and moments of low frequency energy that's going to cause interruption, resistance, interference, or damage in my life. And I get to allow things to flow. And I've just started to learn, despite all of my conditioning to do, 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 do in life, the more I can just be, the more I am. There it is. I heard someone say that when you ask who you are, who you really are exists in the space between the question and the answer. Mm -hmm. And if you get technical, that is incredibly true. Mm. Because there is a way, one, one asks the question, it is sent, the other receives the question, so now there's a doing mm -hmm. a little bit, you're receiving something, then you begin to formulate, you begin to... Mm -hmm feel who you are, and then process it into words, which by definition cannot possibly describe who you actually are. So it's actually, it's actually really, that may have been a Deepak Chopra statement as it was incredibly well put. Well, and the reality of it is, is regardless of how authentically you can deliver who you are in an unfiltered, unarmored, unprotected way, the world and so many individuals carry filters and armor with them, many of whom are conscious to it and many of whom are unconscious to it. Yeah. And so it is literally that same thing as well that prevents us from being seen and understood at the deepest level, from actually articulating authentically and at the deepest cellular level for people to understand who we are and then at the same time be able to connect through that, right? Like it's literally the interference armor and protection that we carry within ourselves conditioned because of who the world has told us we need to be and how lack of congruent we feel with who we authentically are. Yeah. Right. It's this whole dynamic of like, not even just lack of understanding in some cases, but the inability, even if it can be articulated as authentically and unfiltered as possible, most people can't receive it unfiltered. Yeah. And so it just goes to show that even though we know that like language, 7% is in the words, 38% is in the tone, the delivery, the cadence, and another 55% is in the nonverbals, the reality of it is, is energy can also lie because the nonverbals can give a message that's not congruent with the heart and the intent behind it. So it's no wonder so many people feel isolated and alone. It's pretty fucking complicated, even though it's also extremely simple. Yeah, because your state of being is what's coming through all of those things, right? Exactly. And it's, look, you are who you are, and then you are, you know, then you're putting yourself in the position of being someone either you think you ought to be or you think that somebody wants you to be, et cetera. And so there's that hiding process. That's what you're talking about there, right? Mm -hmm. And then it comes out all distorted and messed up. I've spent a lot of this podcast talking about men's dating, dating and relationships, and a lot of mm. it comes down to that. And so... Yes, you're right. There's distortion that comes out on the expressing side and distortion on the receiving side. 
you know, all we need to worry about is the expressing side. That's all we can control. That's all we can control. So the Mm -hmm. other one's going to do what it's going to do. You know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this with respect to business. You know, we talk about being authentic. It really dropped in. I, I heard, I heard the soul speak there with the authentic expression and it, my mind went right to business. Mm-hmm. How is it that people can bring that more into their professional lives? Because it's not just anymore the peaceniks, the hippies, I'm including myself in that group, you know, who sort of go off and kind of live maybe a life that's sort of geared more that way. Now it's really, for me anyway, I'm deeply passionate about bringing that type of lifestyle into the high performers. Yeah. Well, I think there has to first be a desire and a courage to be able to be willing to stand in the truth. Because until the desire or the courage either coexist or one leads, I don't believe that people actually start to walk down this path, like in any part of their life. Why do you think that takes courage? Why do you think it takes so much courage just to be who we are? Because I think a lot of people don't want to look inside and actually be honest with themselves about what they really feel, what really happened, and to be able to dissect the intellectual and emotional narratives, both of which could be true and both of which could lie. Yeah. Right? Like, I literally talk about the singular thing that keeps people stuck as being the trash from people's past, right? It's those things that they think they've buried, they've either worked through or they've put into a container up on a shelf and thought that they could avoid it for the rest of their lives, yet it continues to come back as their fatal flaw in their health, in their relationships, in their businesses, right? And in connection with themselves. And so here's the thing, like it doesn't have to take courage once you realize that you can delabel it and just look at things from a place of neutrality. Mm. The problem is, is that most people don't have a conditioned ability to look at themselves objectively and non-judgmentally. And yeah. so what starts to happen for most is when they raise their levels of awareness, they just become more aware of all the ways they should be judging themselves, which makes them feel more like garbage. That happened to me right? in the beginning. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. And it's a natural part of the evolution process. But here's yeah. the thing. When someone has conditioned themselves to not feel like garbage because they've shut it off and they live largely intellectually through their life and haven't felt things, right? The reality of it is, is to begin the process of feeling and healing, it requires you to feel like garbage for a period of time right? Now, the difference is is that most people don't want to revisit that because they believe they're going to get stuck. Yeah. Because they might have been in one other period in their life, or they don't know the pathway through, or they don't believe they're going to be okay, or whatever is being fabricated in their own reality. Yeah. But the truth starts to become that the more that you can go inside, the more freedom you actually start to experience. And it's not so scary, because once you realize that neutrally, objectively, and non-judgmentally, we only want you to sit in your garbage long enough for it to point you towards what's important. And then extract that from a place of awareness with a lesson that we now can be intentional in applying in our lives moving forward, right? And so it's it's genuinely this dynamic of like, I don't want to actually sit and understand the fact that my siblings got all of the attention from my parents and therefore I didn't feel the love and connection from my family and we were consistently competitive and so I entered sports to learn how to connect then I learned that truly performance and validation drove my connection and validation externally which allowed me to feel like I was being connected and full of love but I don't want to unpack all of that and get back to that time that I felt like shit because I realized that my dad might not be giving me the same attention or I might not be feeling it the same way as I perceive my siblings could be. Hmm. Now, my, in this case, is any proverbial you. That's not my story. But the reality of it is that's why people are afraid because they don't want to sit in those moments that make them feel like garbage again because they're afraid they won't ever get out of it. 
And I'm here to tell everybody that the only way through is through. And if you don't feel, you do not heal. And the reality of it is, is we know, and it's been scientifically proven that the heart has 40,000 brain-like cells in it that has been shown and proven that if we intellectually only process our past and the traumas and the things that have happened to us that have made us believe who we are about ourselves, that if it's only intellectually processed and not felt at that cellular level, that healing doesn't actually take place, that no movement takes place. And yet that's what the world has largely conditioned people to do is to operate from a place of only intellectual and mental toughness and narratives, and it's only half the fucking story. Like less than half the story. Yes, but yes, I'm, you're exactly right. Yes, you're exactly right. It's not the part. But so many believe it's a hundred percent of the story that it going to half is what I at least is acceptable. <laughs> yes, like because that's the truth. I used to believe that it was only mental toughness. Yeah. It was my belief that it was a hundred percent. Yeah, and it fucked me in a ton of ways that created a hell of a lot of damage. Yeah, that's the reality you create, right? I mean, you're right. There's a, a fear of getting stuck there. There's also like by the time it's hurting you badly enough that you're coming to us for feeling and healing you've got years of coping mechanisms. You know, Bingo. I wouldn't want to break that shit down either. And when you're 45 or 50 or 55, you don't just flip a switch and everything changes. Yeah, It's a process of unpacking. It's a process of shedding layers. It's a process of healing. And it's a process of learning and creating new intentions, patterns, and understandings of yourself that are more accurate to the present than they are the cellular memory that you've been operating in for fight or flight in your nervous system for the last however long you've been experiencing it. Yeah. And so why are people afraid? And why do I say courage? Because I know that for most people, until they have a brush with death and have a healthy relationship with mortality, the fear of whatever exists in this lifetime often is something that they cannot escape because they cannot envision something beyond, right? I, when I was seven, was run over by a truck. My left arm was torn from my body. It was literally 10 feet away from me in the parking lot. And I almost lost my life and I almost lost my limb. But that's one of the core lessons that I realized because the first 48 hours seemed like I was in a fog, seemed like it wasn't real. I literally describe it as I was in between worlds. I was watching my physical body while having understanding and presence of trying to cope and process, which told me that we are so much more than our physical bodies. And though I didn't have the conscious awareness to understand that at the depth of the soul that I do today, the reality of it is, is it at least gave me enough information in that time to look outward because I started feeling sorry for myself. I started actually asking, why me? I started going down that path of victimhood. But then I started looking around the rooms around me and the families that were coming up to us saying, we're so sorry for what happened to you. We're so sorry for what happened to you, right? And then I come to find out that their kid's laying in the hospital bed next to me with a terminal illness and they don't know if they're going to live for another 30 days. Right now at seven, the reality of it is, is at least in that moment, I knew I had my life. I did not yet know if I would have my limb, but it still centered me enough to recognize that I have life. Right. And so that also started to ground for me that perspective of other people's stories will never minimize my own. And I want everyone to hear that about your own story, because regardless of the extremities of each of our own unique stories, we all have them and they are all real to us. And the only thing universal about pain is that it's a universal human experience. We all experience pain, but we all experience it independently and uniquely. And it's not measurable independent of the person experiencing it. So if we can admit that and understand that, then it's all of this that really allows us to recognize how do we be in the present? 
How do we be in this physical body? How do we elevate our consciousness? Because again, after that period of time, I learned not to get stuck by the things that had happened to me, but instead get moved by what I could do with. And I believe that moved people move people. But the reality of it is we all move through seasons and we all move through cycles. And just because this is what happened, it wasn't necessarily my transformational story, though I thought it was for a long time. When did you realize that wasn't your transformational story? I think it only concreted in every part of my existence last August. I think I started having awareness to it a decade ago, but I don't think that I knew enough. I hadn't dug deep enough. I hadn't understood deep enough. But a lot has happened in my life in cycles and things always seem to happen around dates and numbers that seem like they were significant to me at some point in my life. And yet they continue to be in my present part of my life. So last August was the 30th anniversary of the accident. And I got to meet the woman who saved my life for the very first time within two hours of the accident. (laughs) To say that that was anything less than miraculous is there's no words to describe what happened and how and the relationship that's come from that as a result of it. But what's interesting is that reconnection point, I've been searching for her for 10 years. (laughs) Couldn't find her. I've said for years that I'm forever indebted to this woman for her choice to go into action with the literal life and limb scenario that was in front of her. And I learned last August that the power of choice becomes even more powerful in the story when I learned that she had a friend with her that day. Hmm. And her friend was also a nurse. Hmm. And her friend did not stay. Hmm. And I want to be really, really clear. I have zero negative emotion, feelings, energies towards her choice to not stay. That was well within her right. I honor that. There's nothing negative there. But the reason I highlight it is, is the power of choice for the one who did choose action literally had a ripple effect in the world that was far beyond her understanding or her ability to imagine it. And then to learn how it had a ripple effect in her own life and what took place afterwards, it just showed like, I asked her, why? Why did you do it? Your friend turned and went away. Why? Like, why? She said, I never even thought. I just acted in the moment and everything was instant. So her choice was also rooted in surrender versus fight. Mm. And it allowed a lot of lessons and open loops in my life to close over the course of those next couple of months. But, you know, my transformational story really began closer to when I was 20 than when I was seven. It just took a long time to put those pieces together and really understand where, how, and why. As you were speaking about the, the number of loops that that was closing, having connected with her, I could feel that through my entire body. It was unbelievable. Just the resolution there is, I'm just like feeling that really powerfully with you right now. And I have a very specific place in her life right now. Hmm. And it has come full circle in a really beautiful way that I would have never imagined, but is just so beautiful. Hmm. I'm convinced that my kids and my wife are going to meet her. I've not met her yet in person. I've only been on Zoom and on the phone with her. And it's just beautiful. (laughs) It's beautiful. I think that space that you're talking about, where there was no thought, there was no forcing current, it was simply intuitive action. Mm -hmm. I would like for people to know that it is possible to live your entire life that way. Mm -hmm. That is now how I live my entire life. There is either movement or there is not, but there is no story around it, right? Me too. And I I was just joking before we hit record today around how much work we put into life that it doesn't require. 
Like so much. And for me, I was a massive overworker. I, I was trying to control everything and think everything out. I'm, I'm really smart. And so I would distort that into a defense and try to like figure out mm-hmm. 10 steps down the road because I was really afraid. And so all of these <laughs> control pieces, all of this effort that I was putting into life that truly, I won't say that didn't make a difference, but it certainly was not accomplishing what I, I wanted to accomplish. And that flow that you described there, I could, I could feel it hurt her just like experiencing, you know, visualizing what happened, having the experience and then flowing directly into action, you know, to run a business from a place like that. I mean, like, it's like this playground, isn't it? I mean, there's this thing that we have access to and it's so mm-hmm. it's like easy and fun. And if you want to build a global empire, you can do that. Or if you want to make a garden, you can do that. And it's just, it, just yeah. following this flow. <sighs> I don't know. It's not even a question there. It's just, it's so great. And I want more people to know about it. No, but it, <laughs> it does loop back full circle to the question that you asked that we went down a path on courage and fear around. But I think it's important because it's like, how do you actually integrate this concept into business? How do you actually have this sense of who you are and having the ability to communicate who you are and set and maintain healthy boundaries and eliminate extortion and elements that, you know, there are people who want more from you than for you, hmm. right? There's not an entrepreneur or high success high-performing individual that I've met that doesn't feel often isolated and alone and often are in a position where they're so used to everyone wanting something from them Mm. that they themselves are carrying so much armor even as the leader that they don't know how to move, right? And so what I find often is, again, there has to be a desire and a courage, but I find that ultimately most individuals who were on a path that, by the way, you talked about your path, sounded very similar to mine. Yeah. Perfectionism, control, workaholic, like, right, I could absolutely outwork and outproduce everybody. But the reality of it is, is when I actually look back, I had convinced myself from a cellular level that I needed to crawl up the fucking mountain on my hands and knees, scraping my hands and my knees, because if I didn't feel the fucking pain, then I wasn't ever going to actually have meaning when I got to the top. Mm. That's what I convinced myself of, right? Like my old equation literally was stress equals growth. Mm. The more I carried, the more I lifted, the more I did, the more I, everything, right? Then my growth and my capacity would grow. And by the way, it did every fucking time. Mm. Right. Yeah. So that's the funny thing about it is that like, that's what I believed. Stress equals growth. Right. And my mental narrative for so long was Brian's good, Brian's tough, Brian's capable. He can do anything himself. Now, the narrative that most people also added to that that I didn't was, oh, and if Brian needs help, he'll ask. Mm. I didn't have the courage in the times that I needed it the most to ask for it early on because I didn't know how. And so the reality of it is, is when we sit and we surrender to what is real in business, typically people reach a point where they're tired of fighting. They're tired of feeling heavy all the time. They're tired of not being able to catch a breath. They're tired of feeling like every direction they're looking, there's resistance and they don't know why because externally, they have everything that the world has told them that if they have, they acquire is going to make them happy. It's going to make them feel connected. It's going to make them feel good. Guess what? I had all of that at age 27. All of it. Everything the world told me I should want, house, car, money, growing multi-million dollar business, like multiple leadership roles in the community, like this admired prestigious role. And you know what it cost me? The ultimate price, (sighs) who I was. (sighs) And that isolation and that loneliness led me to a place where I finally realized I wasn't living in congruence. And that was the start of my path 10 years ago to really go deep 
And it wasn't the first thing that hit me that caused me to look elsewhere, to that caused me to go internal. But what it started to do was I started to realize that literally every piece of resistance, every low frequency energy, every yuckiness, every time I felt like trash and garbage, it was from something that I hadn't unpacked or hadn't processed and was creating a narrative around or an expectation around of which I actually had zero control, but tried to control everything to control that outcome. And I would get it often, but yet I'd still wake up and feel empty. (sighs) And so in business, what I find is that when people can actually start to surrender to recognize that they are the greatest resistance, literally everything in their life starts to change. People come to me to help fix their business. We unpack the trash from their past and everything in their life elevates. Mm. Everything, relationships, health, movement, self-identity, confidence, conviction, like everything moves when we can move from fight to surrender. And it's counterintuitive to what the world teaches us. But the reality of it is, is that one of my favorite quotes is from a friend of mine, Alex Scharf, and he says, if you're constantly putting on fires in your life and your business, there's a good chance you're the arsonist. <laughs> nice. You know, that one lands differently for me than like, you're responsible for everything in your life. Yeah. Because taking a position of ownership, which we teach, it's important to get yourself to a place of neutrality, to take the alternative perspective and put blame in your life in ways that maybe they are not your fault. Yeah but it forces you to see a different perspective, which allows you to see yourself more clearly. And that's how you can kind of work through those things. Now, we've got a whole bunch of different places that we move here, but that's how it can show up in business is a perfect example. I had a client right at the beginning of COVID. Commercial real estate business. They do property management, development, investing. Okay, They are literally in all three sides of the pie. And when COVID hit, the commercial real estate market and big box chains started to get hit And so did a lot of commercial residencies that were taking place. A lot of leases were going down and everything that took place. So like October of 2020 is when he and I got engaged and we started to unpack some things. In November, he communicated to his entire company that they had 17 months of liquidity. Now, what he was doing in that case was trying to protect the fact that he saw his organization as a family and he wanted to show them a runway that they had this amount of time to go find other jobs, other opportunities, because it wasn't going to be in his ability to actually support them anymore, right? He was in a lawsuit that just settled over $600,000 that he just paid out personally, which was not actually how things shook out, but there was a manipulation and an extortion that took place that cost him a lot with someone that he really trusted, right? So he's already armored. He's not doing well. And he was owed over $200,000 by the company already because he foregoed his own pay to ensure that his team could get paid when they were tight on cash flow. He wasn't actually doing well in his life. Like he had lived in the same house for 12 years that they only thought they'd be in for five. And now their kids are teenagers and bigger than they ever thought they would be. And he's feeling badly about the fact that they tried to renovate their living room for a decade and haven't been able to. His health is being transferred. And this is a guy that rode his bike from coast to coast in the United States more than once in his life. Like, just everything was stalled. And we started to work and unpack. And we started to realize that he had a deep, deep, deep level of shame. I'm not going to talk about the source of his shame because that's his story, not mine to share. But what we started to unpack was where it was starting to manifest with the protection and the resistance in his life, what his relationship with money was actually looking like, and the level of scarcity that his energy existed in and every interaction that he was having in his business with his teams, with his prospects, with his clients, 
we started to unpack this and we started to literally force him to feel through the process of healing on this. Okay. One year later, this is that what happened. One year later, literally, so 2021 closes. Okay. 2021 closes. He had extended raises to his entire team, had offered two new lines of employee benefits. They had 5x the revenue in their business. They had completed three eight and nine figure fundraising rounds that they had never done. And they did all of them within a span of 30 days. <laughs> he paid off all of the debt. They upgraded their lifestyle. He started moving on his bike a hundred miles a week again. His wife called me nine months in and said, oh my God, what have you done with my husband? He's communicating in a way that I've never seen. And our life is changing at a pace that I don't even understand right now. Okay. Legitimately, he then netted over 600 grand himself that next year. And heading into 2022, they exploded. And those same results happened in this last year. I just talked to him and he literally was like, it's amazing how the trash tied to that one piece of shame that we unpacked from my life from between the ages of five and seven, that I, you allowed me to feel, that you allowed me to understand my emotional and intellectual narratives on so I could balance and regulate between the two allows me to live in the moment where I can surrender to allow these things to flow and realize that I was the only thing preventing it before. Yes. <laughs> right? So he's now showing up this way. And what does that look like? It looks like what I call a strong spine and a soft front. It means knowing who the fuck you are, standing on your own two feet, not just confident, but convicted in who the fuck you are, knowing that the world's not going to just accept you, but will embrace you for who you are, because that's the level of belief you have that you're living in congruence with you, what you're capable of, and who you're becoming. Because when you can stand in that space, there is no need for protection, and you can drop all of the armor. Mm. Now I call that our soft front. We're open, we're vulnerable, we're exposed, but we're not wavering. Mm. We know our boundaries. We know how to communicate them. We know how to do it in a place that's got empathy and grace. We know how to diffuse difficulty in our life. And oh, by the way, now all of a sudden you're existing in this place that you've wanted to live in your entire life, which is to have joy, freedom, and fulfillment flowing through you. But it's also sometimes the scariest fucking place to be until you realize that you can ride the flow. And until you completely surrender, you will continue to have this be an adversary in constant pursuit until the day you fucking die. But the second you become aware, own your shit at the deepest cellular level. Because here's the thing, the trash from your past 99% of the time isn't your fault. It just becomes your responsibility once you become aware of it or you start burying people in your trash. And when you can realize that objectively and non-judgmentally, then literally the only gap between who you're capable of being and who you are today exists right here. Boom. Fucking mic drop. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. It's that type of self-empowerment. People choose victimhood because they don't want blame for their life. But the sheer empowerment that you're talking about when you take responsibility for fucking everything even your piece of shit that looks like it's utterly unrelated to you, the sheer empowerment that comes with that, the strength that just like stepping into being fucking you and owning that and approaching life from that place, it's like there's no need for fear anymore. What can possibly hurt you? You're already there. I've actually never thought about this relationship between the self-empowerment and fear but actually, because I've lost all fear. It's everything. Yes. It's everything. Yes. They're one and the same. Yeah. 
Because you can't stand with a soft front if you don't have a strong spine. You can't, right? And if you don't have a strong spine, you can't. You're going to get knocked right over. Yeah. And what does that look like, right? That looks like, oh, I'm pretty strong in who I am, but I'm not going to own every single boundary. So I'm going to say yes to things because I still believe that if I do things for people, even if it's not in alignment with myself, that that's how they're going to ultimately like me, want to connect with me. That's where my value lies, right? But the difference is the shift to understand that your value is just by your existence in your intentional aligned action in your life. And if you recognize that you don't have to play these games of emotional extortion or physical extortion or financial extortion for the pure sake of survival, because that only requires you to be centered in who you are. But it makes fucking sense, right? Because going back to even what we talked about before, what do we all want in the human experience? We all want to feel safe. We all want to feel protected. We all want to feel seen and understood. And we all want to feel connected. Right. But these last two don't happen unless the first two do. And what happens? We're born as our brightest, most authentic, burning light. Right. We come into the world. Anybody who has kids or has been around kids knows it. Right. Like the rawness, the realness, the just flow, the charisma, the vibrancy that can come through these kids is unbelievable. Right. That childlike wonder, that curiosity, that ability to be. Right. And then what happens? Parents, teachers, employers, coaches start saying things like this. You should do that. You shouldn't do that. You should want that. You should definitely not want that. You should chase this. You should want this house, this car, this amount of money, this career, live with someone that looks like this, has a life that looks like this, and you should do all of these things. Then you'll be happy. Right. Or at least you'll be accepted as at least the narrative that's behind it, right? (laughs) Because if you fit inside the box of who the world tells you who to be, then you're safe, right? Yeah. But here's what really happens. Should is a shame-based word. Yeah. It implies that whoever you are or whatever you're doing isn't good enough. And so from the time we're little, we start literally putting these layers of armor funneling us down to fit inside this box and we get hurt, we get pain, right? But the world tells us that we can't feel pain. Tells us to reduce, eliminate, or avoid it at all costs, right? And so if we can't feel pain and we're not giving a healthy thought process for how to feel so we can heal, well, we're also not being taught how to think. We're certainly not being taught how to think about our thinking, think about our feeling, feel our thinking and feel our feeling, Mm -hmm. right? So now we have our pain because the world told us we can't do anything. What do we need to do? We push through and put a smile on. Bury that shit. Because nothing's wrong, right? Mm -hmm. And every time we push through, what do we do? We push down. We push down whatever we're feeling, whatever we're experiencing, and we start living up here, right? We're now living and existing inside that box that the world has created for us, and yet we don't feel free. No fucking wonder. Because you're not living in congruence with who you are. You're living in congruence with who the world told you who to be. And here's the ironic part. Digging through our trash, unpacking these things, seeing ourselves more clearly, right? The ironic thing about all of this is that it, I'm going to use the word should, it should be the easiest thing for each and every one of us to do because we're born perfect. Right? Like in reality, all I'm asking people to do is just own who you are. Know how to advocate for who you are. Love who you are. And if you can do all those things, you're going to love others. You're going to know how to advocate for others. And you're going to learn how to move through these things. Because every time we get pain, we create these layers of armor that are protection. Because here's what happens. When we don't feel safe and we don't feel protected, we put our armor on. Yeah. Now, Dominique, imagine holding a 35-gallon black trash bag in front of you. Right? That's your armor. That's your proverbial armor. You're now carrying it in front of you. Now, to the point that we were making earlier, how do you properly portray who you are, what you want, your authentic desires, your hopes, your dreams, your real energy, your real intent, regardless of what words or energy get delivered, how do you do all that through this 35-gallon trash bag? Mm. That's a clear force field. 
And then how can you expect anybody on the other side to receive you anything close to accurately being delivered through the force field that you're carrying and probably the one they are too, Yeah. <laughs> right? Yet then all of a sudden you're like, well, I don't feel, they don't understand me. They don't see me. They don't know who I am. See, I'm well, right. I can't connect. More trash. Right, see, exactly. So I'm just gonna hold all this, right? Mm -hmm. But what you've just done is you've guaranteed you're preventing yourself from getting the two things we all want most, which is to be seen and understood and to be connected. Mm. Right. And so now we've got this force field and we're thinking that the one thing that's protecting us, it's actually further disconnecting us from everything and everyone that we want, including ourselves. Now, trash does a couple other things, right? Now imagine I'm giving you two full 35 gallon trash bags, my friend. And I told you to hold them out in front of you. Hmm. Dominique, how long are you holding those bags for? Quite a while. Quite a while. Because you're fucking stubborn. And you're going to prove to the world how strong you are. Oh, yeah. And you're not going to show anybody that you're wavering in strength, right? As you were saying it, as you were like holding it, you were like, what would you do? And I was like, how would I respond? And like my shape of defenses came out, which is, oh, I would I would just pretend that's me. I would yeah. like merge with it and be like, nope, this is who I really am. Yep. Because that would be my way of like easing the defense. Right. But here's what's going to happen. The longer you carry it, the heavier it's going to get. Mm -hmm. Right. The more you're going to be burning. And by the way, you, the trash from your past is no different. The longer you carry it, the heavier it gets and the more oh, yeah. it incrementally crushes you. Think about heaviness. How about depression in our culture these days? The Bingo. heaviness, the sheer weight of depressing all your feelings. That's the point. It's all of it. Because every time you push through, you push down. And here's the third thing that happens with trash. There's two types of people, just like there's two types of trash cans. One's with lids and one's without. <laughs> right? We've got people that don't have a lid. And they're like the energy vampires, the ones that believe it's their right to just show up unapologetically authentic to dump their shit in every capacity of the world with lack of awareness, lack of care, lack of empathy or compassion, because that's what they are. And their can can only hold so much. And so they'll push down, push down, push down. But inevitably, it's going to spill over. Mm. And they show up and in every environment. They're dumping their trash into that environment, right? You imagine a kitchen. And the trash can, if we don't take out that trash bag every day, what starts to happen? For all those families in COVID that brought schooling, extended family, businesses, health all into their house, it's the perfect analogy. Yeah. If we don't take the trash out every single day, it's going to start overflowing in the kitchen. It's going to start filling the kitchen and blocking our ability to get nutritious food, to have communion and connection, to like have that time to sit and, and actually celebrate over food, which is such a part of the human experience. Right. If we continue to not clear it up, now it's going to move into the living room and the family room, blocking our ability to be together, connect and have different conversations. It's going to start going down the hallway, blocking access to your kids' rooms, filling your office space and your gym to the point that you literally are disconnected from everything in your world because you haven't taken out that trash bag every single day. <sighs> right. The people that have no lids exist in this state and just bury everything and everyone around them. And we all know what that looks like. Right. And we don't want to be around those people often, even though we love them in so many cases. But the other type of people are like me. They have a lid. Now, I had a lid, I had a seal to my lid, and I had a key that I threw away years ago because I wasn't going to let anybody know that I even had trash, especially my parents. Mm. The people that were closest to me didn't know how much I was carrying and how much I was suffering. The Latin root for the word suffer is to carry, which literally proves that it's the trash from our past that's not unpacked and not processed that we continue to carry with us that's causing us to suffer. That's a great connect. I didn't know that. Well done. The second side of that, though, is right. What happens now to me? Every time I'm pushing down, I'm building more and more pressure. 
I'm literally building a bomb that at some point explodes and sends trash shrapnel through my entire life, creating damage that's now guaranteeing a significant amount of more energy and focus to create repair when it was so unintentional. But the reality of it is that these are the things that our trash does to us, and this is the truth. And if we take suffer a little bit further, I think there's four ways that we suffer. So things that are left unsaid, the things we lack permission to feel or say, the things we lack the words to articulate or understand, or the things that are left undone. Why I believe in the power of all of our stories and showing up with a soft front and a strong spine. I believe that true strength hides behind vulnerability. And to be a protected and connected leader, it means dropping our own armor to convince ourselves that we're safe and protected so we can wrap a layer of armor around the environments that we're in, ensuring that everyone feels safe, everyone feels protected, everyone feels seen and understood, and everyone feels connected. And then by speaking into our, the world our truths in a way that's open, accepting, in a safe, protected container, now we are often giving people words to feel permission to feel things they might not have otherwise and words to understand and articulate experiences so that they can act and do and move themselves out of suffering. So the process of that, the thing that struck me the most in what you're, what you're sharing here is at the very end, you touched on it right before you changed subjects, which is that the, the person without a lid, although the person with the lid came to the same result, ends up pushing away the people that they love. They end up pushing away the things that they want. Here we have the core of self-sabotage, right? Mm -hmm. And so your way of approaching it is brilliant, super easy to understand and, and integrate. The safety and the protection... Are those not the same piece? No. Do you need protection if you're safe? I believe that feeling safe and feeling protected are two different things, right? I can be the protector and the only protector in the environment, meaning that I am actually there looking out for others. I'm making that environment safe for them. I can also be in environments where I feel protected and don't have to put that layer of safety around others. It depends on the container, right? I can feel protected by my wife just as easily as I can protect her. Mm -hmm. It's about not having to convince myself in any given moment that I am safe or protected. It's just, if I feel protected, I inherently feel safe. Mm -hmm. The problem is that most people don't feel protected, which makes them not feel safe, so they protect themselves. That's the variable that most people don't understand is when you protect yourself, you're not actually allowing yourself to feel safe. Because you still won't be seen and understood and you still won't be connected. And so the protection is either you are so clear in your understanding of self that you no longer exist in fear and can lower that armor at any given time and be the protector for yourself and for others in the space. Or, for example, George Bryan is a person that I feel protected around. Mm. When I'm in a room with him, my energy is focused in a different way than it is with his because of his tactical training, because of his military experience, because of all of that. That's not my forte. If there's a physical threat, He's going to handle it. Yeah. Right? And so it allows me to drop a little bit further even in my own environment because otherwise, if there's a room of 50 people and I'm an energetic leader and protector in that space, I view that as part of my role and responsibility is to provide physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental safety for everyone in the room. Mm. But if I have someone else in the room that can cover the physical side, right? Now I feel protected there. I don't have to carry that same level of focus and energy. It's just a shift. It's a nuance, and it's hard, I think, to understand until you can experience the feeling of both. Well, the state of the feeling, I understand, that feels different. Being protected and feeling safe. It's interesting that those are two different steps in your sort of, there, there's four steps and those are two of them. 
because it seems like when you have one, the other would naturally, as you said, one is inherently uh, stems from the other. Um, this also is wrapping us really beautifully into the masculine and feminine, isn't it? <sighs> you know, I'm super masculine. I'm like a masculine chick. And same thing if I'm in a room and, and I'm, let's say I'm doing a retreat, I am holding that room. I'm very much sort of in um, yep. what I would say is the more masculine. I suppose there's a feminine element of that, but I'm sort of speaking in it more, almost like a more relationship type of way. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm with somebody super strong and handle shit, there is a way in which I come down. There's a right a surrender there or a softening. It's just a different layer, right? Yeah. Where you feel protected, right? Yeah. And what I want to be clear is that that safe, protected, seen, understood, and connected is not necessarily linear. I think those are the four things that we all desire to feel as human beings hmm. at the deepest level, right? And again, I think that when we don't feel protected, that's why we go to our place of protection because we seek and desire to feel safe and protected. Hmm. It's not that they're mutually exclusive or there's necessarily a linear path for both. I was more describing it through the lens of what I typically see, yeah, right? In people's pattern of behavior. Typically, there is either a fabricated belief and shift to lower armor to experience vulnerability and authenticity. Even if they don't feel safe and protected, they're scared, they're afraid, but they're lowering it anyway. Yeah. Right. And they're standing there open. Right. Yeah. There's a shift that people can experience now that they understand what it looks like to lower their own protection, which opens them to feel protected and safe in wherever they are. Mm. And so that's the nuance because most people carry that armor so thick, but they don't even realize they're carrying Oh, 100%. Yeah. And so that's why I say, like, we really need most people to understand they've got to lower the protection before they can experience both sides. But once you can become the protector and the connector in each space, it means that it doesn't matter what room you walk into, you can, if you desire to, facilitate the container and the energy in a space that everyone gets those four things. Yeah. Doesn't mean you have to express that energy, but you can and choose to when you want to. And that's the thing I've had to learn because... I'm one of those that like my spout is always open. Hmm. It doesn't always need to be open. There are times I can sit in the safety position knowing I don't need to protect anyone Hmm. or myself. True state of effortless being there. Yep. Although, of course, that can come in in other forms as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting when we we sort of come into the, the very center of this, these two different ways of being, this sort of masculine and feminine, if you will, and sort of sit in the core of it in that place of beingness, in that effortless I am. And here we are back at the I am. (laughs) Right? Yes. I'm curious, because I'm sure your audience already knows this from you, but I would be fascinated to learn about your journey to being. Because that was a very hard journey for me, and it's one that I still work on, because I still have such a cellular conditioned pattern to be in motion and what my definition of what that looks like and means historically is still being revised. Mm. And so I would be fascinated because of your state and how you are able to be, what did your path to getting there look like? Well, it started out with a lot of distortion. Great word. Great word. Yeah, that's my favorite. It's either distorted or it's not. To me, that's the clearest. That's great. I was very much depressed, suicidal when I was a teenager, anxious, Deeply, deeply insecure. A lot of self-hatred, body dysmorphia, uncomfortable in myself, uncomfortable in who I was. And I just got to the point where I I couldn't sort of live with it anymore. I I don't even exactly entirely know what happened. It got really bad and and it was quite young. So when I was 19, 
I went to a workshop where people were practicing the work I now teach and I had this massive transformation. I transformed more in one weekend than I thought people Uh. could change. I didn't even know it was possible. And I was like, oh, I would like more of this shit, please. Let's do this. This is great. Because it just fixed it. And everybody talked about sort of coping or or meds. And I was I was on meds. I'm not anti-meds. They're a really good tool. They don't solve the underlying mm-hmm. problem. No, but they are a great tool. And I agree with you on that completely. And I think there are some people who need it short-term and some who need it long-term. And I don't think there needs to be shame associated with it either, as long mm-hmm. as it's not numbing, but the tool towards the path that you're on. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's... My support would more naturally go toward a... It depends, isn't it? Because I'm self-growth oriented. So to me, my preference goes towards short-term. It's a tool. It got me on my feet long enough to where I could solve the underlying problem. That being mm-hmm. said, I opened my mouth to say that. And then I realized not everybody's into self-growth. Not everybody wants necessarily to solve the underlying problem. So yes, back to full truth of exactly what you just said. Yeah. And then it was just peeling back layers, just layer after layer of who I thought I was, the way I thought life needed to be, the way I thought I needed to be. I, I realized at some point that I didn't need to hold on Mm. every moment of every day, (laughs) most moments of every day. I realized I didn't need to, you know, I remember exploring with letting go of control. I mean, years in, after hearing about it for, you know, over and over and over again from one healer after another. And then, because I was in two intensive schools and and I went at it hard, you know, I'm I'm the same way when I do something. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say I kind of wanted to go through our list. Not surprising. (laughs) Not not surprising. (laughs) When you were saying that, I was like, like, wait a minute, you went all in, Dominique? I could not see that for you. (laughs) I thought you maybe just dip a toe and then be like, "Mm, never mind, it's too much, it's too cold, it's too cold, I don't like it. (laughs) Anything that lacks depth, I lose interest and it's always been that way. It's just even more that way now. Right? I'm the same way. Yeah. And there's so many fascinating things, but I'm just, I'm not interested in them. I'm like, I'm, I'm just like, I want the depth, the realness. Mm-hmm. There's like lots of fun to be had. This is just for me, like just more fun. I did. I totally went all in. I'm still all in. This is, this is my jam. I'm, I'm so, consistency is not one of my core qualities. And yet this particular thing has like held my interest. I rode horses for a long time too. That was a solid probably 20, 25 years. This is like, I feel like what I'm here to do. And with each layer, I just, things became easier and more, more aligned, more me, a little safer, but it it actually was, it was a little bit of a toe at a time. You know, the effort towards it was all in for sure, but it was, I was, I felt like I was transforming as quickly as possible. I felt like sometimes I would come back from a week of school, my school, I went to this four-year healing school and it was like, you'd go for a week at a time, like five times a year. I come back from those weeks and just fucking sit on my bed and just like look at the ceiling. And it couldn't even like do anything. Like yeah. so much was like processing and, and changing in my system. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And now it's interesting because now I look back at that and I go, that was so slow. Yeah. Like my clients progressed so much faster than I did. This took me 20 years, you know? Yeah, but it's because you figured out the path and you now know how to reflect it in others. And I think that it's no different with me. The more I dig, the more I unpack, the more layers I remove, the more effective I am at getting my clients there even faster. This is it. Getting out of your own way. And that's like my whole goal, right? Is like just getting people to move and not for the sake of movement. When I say move, it's not like do, do, do. No. But it is movement because yeah. that is flow. Like we have to like we have to be in the movement of life. And 
you know, that's where we work so deeply with people because it's, it's even getting down to the ability of understanding how these things move in your body, mm. how they move in your world and how you move through them. And that's even the place that a lot of people struggle with is getting the ability to be in their body long enough to be able to become aware of the signs that your own body is giving you that's pointing you towards what's important. And so like for me, right, great example, this would be when my wife would ask me something like this, hey, babe, what are we gonna do with the kids this weekend? And my shame trash filter would cause me to hear it this way. Hey, honey, you've not done enough to be a good husband and father recently. So what are you going to do to make up for it this weekend? Mm. Right? Now, all of a sudden, what I feel moving in my body is my heart rate going up. I feel the wave of heat. I feel my chest puff. And I feel the literal like fight or flight armor come into place, right? And then I can react and flip my lid in that moment and literally rattle off the 10 things I've done in the last four days to show her I'm a good husband and father when that wasn't even what she asked, right? But shame is something I dealt deeply with on both sides of it. Some on the worth, but really more on the idea of when I shut that down and I showed up in the arena, it's who the fuck do you think you are, Mm. right? Everything major I did in my life, I felt the need to apologize for, and I had a deep level of anger that was buried so deep it could barely be fixed. Oh, yeah, I had one of those And so when I say... And when I say that like this is now where we're at, it's about understanding that shame moves through my body five or six different ways. I have to know what that feels like. I have to know where it moves. Not physiologically, not a mm. defined emotion, but physiologically what happens in my body. What are my tells, right? Then I have to know how it moves through my world, i.e. the moments that trigger me, right? Dogs barking after the doorbell goes off. Immediate trigger. I can understand the pattern on that because then in the moment... When I feel the physiological response, I can pause long enough to ask myself, is what I'm reacting to due to what's right in front of me or the trash from my past? What I'm allowing myself to do now is flip open my lid and take a look inside to see what's risen to the top instead of flip my lid and react, creating damage. Now I'm seeing what rose to the top and I'm able to ask myself, is what I'm protecting? Like, what am I protecting myself from? (sighs) And then I can pause in that moment, take a breath and say to my wife, hey, I felt really triggered by what you said, but I'm not really sure I heard you correctly. Do you mind restating it? And I'll try to hear it through a more neutral lens. Or maybe we can pause and revisit this conversation later when my energy is in a slightly different place because I want to make sure that I hear you authentically. Now, I've responded, haven't created damage, which means I don't have to extend more energy creating repair. And we get to move through that moment in a really beautiful way that actually is completely different than what moving looked like before, which was defense, project outward, and run away. Well, you're building trust too. Every time you do that, you're building the container between you and her. She's learning who you are. You're learning who you are. Bingo. And 18 months later, we don't really get triggered in moments like that anymore. Right? Because we've allowed enough grace and empathy and recognize that we're both human and we've both screwed up and we've both gone in and out of both sides of it and we've both had moments of evolution. But it's what we were holding on to that would keep us from moving forward. And in so many situations, none of it actually fucking mattered. And so learning to let those things go, it also puts us in a position where we're not existing for months or weeks in these low-frequency, energized, angry, resentful, frustrated places. We exist in minutes and moments and accept that we're human and are still going to feel these things. But we can understand them so they don't have to actually create more damage in our lives. It's fascinating, isn't it? Having seen the same 
way of living from both sides of the fence. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes that's my greatest or very possibly my only gift. It's the only one I need is I've seen it from Mm -hmm. the angle of controlling everything and pushing everything down and holding so many trash bags. I was like the person who wanted to hold other people's trash bags too. I'm like, oh my God, you have a trash Dude, bag? Me too. Do you want to here? Do I you want to just it. get yeah, I'm I got really you. Strong. You know what? I got you. Oh my God, if you and I had been friends, we would have been competitive. We'd be like, I'll carry your pain. You'll be like, no, you won't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and just because you can carry the weight doesn't mean it's not fucking heavy. <laughs> yes. It didn't even matter. I just told myself it didn't matter. Distortion of strength. Me too. See, I'm naturally strong. Yeah. It's a core quality of mine. So I distorted that by here. I'm strong. And so that means. Bullshit, 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 bullshit. I can carry your shit. I have to carry your shit. I need to carry your shit. I want to carry your shit. Didn't even check in to see if any of that was true. It also becomes really easy to hide when you're carrying everybody else's shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was a big one of mine, too. And so that's the reality, too, is it's easy to sit there and, (laughs) and hide behind it all and not really exist in it. And then all you start experiencing is the development of more and more resistance because the truly, I genuinely believe that the source of all resistance and energy drain internally is a lack of congruence in our intellectual and emotional narratives, both of the present, past, and future, right? And if we can just own that, right? That's why I love Ryan Holiday's quote. There is no good or bad without us. There's the event that happens in the story we tell ourselves about it. It goes to what you said earlier. It's the same belief system that we have. It's a universal truth. Whoever's words it is doesn't matter, but the reality of it is is that is true. Yeah. And so often that's what we're helping people do is understand that the narratives that they've been carrying forward for the last 20, 30, 40 years in some cases probably aren't even true. They're usually almost never true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, by definition, any narrative, there's something you're carrying. Yeah. I genuinely believe the only thing that's real, the only thing that's true is this moment. Yeah. I am. Everything <gasps> else has a filter on it. Circle back around again, bitches. The more I can be, the more I am. Yeah. And I believe that I am are the two most powerful words in the English language because the words that follow I am follow you. Right? Now, I do believe in affirmations, but I also don't believe in affirmations simply from an intellectual perspective. To say I am grateful, and again, going through the intellectual exercise of convincing yourself that you are grateful does not mean that you feel it. (laughs) It doesn't mean that you embody it. And it doesn't mean that the energy is literally understood or expressed. And so that's the other side of it is that I am truly a believer in affirmations, but I am a believer in affirmations and saying it early enough and often enough and living congruently enough with intentional aligned action so that it becomes a state of being, Hmm. not a state of fabrication. And when that exists, that's when the world opens up. So here's an interesting thing. I'd be interested in your take on this. I actually don't use the word believe. Really? Yeah, I don't like it. Tell me why. I, I used to. It was just for part of my, I used it the way normal people use it. <laughs> I used to do a lot of things the way normal people did them. <laughs> I just get weirder and weirder as time goes on and happier and happier. Yeah. And care less and less about and care what less anybody about, else thinks about Oh my God, just thrilled with life. You know, like me, oh, I totally, yeah. Uh, yeah, I get you. I get it. You're right. Weirdo. Yeah. It's going to go about my day. For me, when one uses the word believe, there's kind of an automatic conceptualization okay. of what they're saying, right? When, and I find this with people that are at a very high level of evolution 
and are sort of ready to go into that next step, often it's it's around the word belief. They're expressing, hmm. or it's expressed, I should say, through the word belief. Because there's a, I believe, you know, in energy, say. People will say, I believe mm-hmm. in energy, which is a nonsense statement, actually, if you think about it. I understand what they mean. What they mean isn't nonsense. But what you're saying is nonsense. It's like saying, I really believe in this microphone that's in front of me, right? Once you step in, once you see energy moving, once you feel it with your hands or taste or smell it or however it is that you perceive the, the subtle energies, it's everywhere. It simply is, mm-hmm. right? So there's a way in which people get right up to the edge of something and they believe it. Here's how I believe the world is. But when you actually step over that line with both feet in it, that simply is how things are. Well, it just is. It just is. Yeah. And I fully accept and receive even what you said. Mm. I will tell you that there is often a place where I am intentional in certain language, that being one of them, Mm. because believe is also a word that lands at the intellectual place that many people exist. 100%. And so for me, it's less about changing who I am or the block or perception of what it is, but actually delivering it in a way that can be received by, I believe, more people that operate from that system of purely intellect and processing. And so whether I'm right or wrong, I have found that to be highly effective in interactions with individuals. Mm. But I a thousand percent agree with you is that belief and the idea of belief in and of itself is and can be limited. Mm. And so it's the state of existence that is the true state of being, which is beyond believing. And I completely resonate with that. Now, I will tell you and own myself that I can say all of that out loud and know that there are still moments that I exist in a position of belief Mm, versus existence. Yeah, And so, like, I love how you outlined that. I've never heard it described that way. No, I haven't either. But I know exactly what you are talking about when you describe why you don't like the word belief or why you don't use it, rather. I think it's beautiful. And and I think that it is... It's also inviting because it's calling with intention to elevate beyond that limitation. And so from that lens, it's again, I receive it because I'm processing out loud as I'm saying this Mm -hmm. to you. I just think it's, again, that's an interesting reflection that I'm grateful to receive today and evaluate and reflect on myself. Hmm. That's very nice. It is absolutely useful. And it's not like it's a negative thing in particular, but I, I have sort of found that it dropped out of my vocabulary at some point differently than something like should. I took should out of my vocabulary because I, I saw the damage, right? Mm-hmm. And I have a number of episodes on here, of course, as I'm sure we all do, around the dangers of shooting. Stop shooting yourself. And I think, you know, there's also a way in which believing something, it's like the way people talk about trust, right? Oh, I trust someone. If almost like as in saying it, there's like, wait, why wouldn't I trust that person? That's, I wouldn't say that's universal. I think it's, I think I learned that in sales, right? Where they're like, don't ever say trust me because they say, then it, it calls into question, wait, why wouldn't I trust you? Mm-hmm. I think it's almost in that way. And you know, the intellectual, I do almost nothing with thought either. I, do, I don't fuss with thought. I don't fuss with the brain. Quite fascinating. Another lifetime, I could absolutely spend my entire life on the brain. I think it's actually really quite interesting. I, I use it not at all in my work. And a lot of people use it and use thought and, and do a great job and it's totally fine. It's not better one way or the other, just to clarify for the audience. But for me, I, I have no interest. I don't think your thoughts have 
It's not that your thoughts don't impact your reality. It's that they're not the source of what's impacting your reality. And I just go straight to the source. I agree with that completely. I completely agree with that. You're treating symptoms. So automatically, it's going to be less efficient. 100%. 100%. And I couldn't agree with you more, by the way. I don't deal with thought as it relates to that either. Right? It is literally, that's what we talk about. Until you get to the source or sources of your trash, it will continue to exist and will continue to get heavier and will continue to get stinkier. Yeah. Right. Like that's just the fact. Yeah. And so for me, thought and feeling are both reflections of someone's perception or reality in any given moment. Mm -hmm. And so what I do is go straight to the source to unpack that, but then also understand what does that source project into current and existing experiences that are, what did you say, diluting? What was the word you use? Distorting. Distorting. Beautiful yeah, distortion. Word, okay, that are distorting what they are actually seeing in front of them. No different yes. than the interaction with my wife. I told yeah. you what my filter caused me to hear, even though those weren't the words that were delivered. Yes. And so that's where I integrate thought and emotion is around the narratives that exist and show up that create resistance today. Because to me, it's about dissolving and neutralizing the energy behind the thoughts and the feelings to find neutrality and flow moving forward. Now, that's obviously abstract and esoteric. I know you have an audience that can hang there with that, but (laughs) right, people are like, well, what does that mean? Like, how do we get pragmatic in applying that? And like, that is where we created what I call the thinking feeling quadrant, which is a challenge to get someone to actually think and feel (laughs) to understand what are the narratives and energies associated with each. And so I'm going to butcher it probably off the top of my head because I'm just flowing with where we're going. Please do, butcher away. But the quadrant is this, right? It's thinking about thinking, thinking about feeling, feeling, thinking, and feeling, feeling, right? Most people don't even operate in a feeling or thinking state, let alone going into a deeper intention behind the feelings and the thoughts. But for example, I believe that everyone is hardwired to default to one side. And I said, I believe again, intentionally in this case, because to date, I haven't seen anything that's shown me otherwise, okay? Most people in the human body, you can enter through the head or through the heart. One of the two ways. Both can be energies, both can be frequencies. But my daughter, she thinks and feels deeply, but I can't get her to understand, rationalize, and integrate beyond the feeling, which for her intensity is way up here, right? Unless I go to her with feeling first, and then we can lead to connecting thought. With my son, it's exactly opposite. He's deep, deep, deep feeling, but he's highly intellectual and processes everything intellectually. Then he feels it right? His starting point. I'm not saying where he ends. I think everybody ends in the heart ultimately, but the starting point for where we're conditioned, I have to enter his head to get him to feel, right? Again, it's about creating the protected space for each of them, right? What is the energy they need to feel safe so that we can go where we need to go to resolve the source, right? But what is the thinking feeling quadrant? It means thinking about the thinking, thinking about the narratives or thoughts that are created in a reaction to any given moment, literally thinking about them wow, my wife, I just have this thought that my wife is implying that I'm not a good husband, that I've not done enough to be a good husband and father. Well, do I believe that to be true? No, I don't. I've been crushing it. I've been doing really well. Like Again, it diffuses the narrative that is the protectionary narrative attached to the armor I react to, right? Which is, I'm not a good enough husband or father. My wife doesn't think I'm doing enough, right? All these unhealthy narratives that are attached to the trash. So when I think about that, I'm like, well, no, no, that's not a thought that I really feel. I don't necessarily agree with that. Okay, now I'm going to think about the feeling. Well, shit, I'm feeling really defensive right now and I'm feeling really angry. 
And my wife only asked me what we're going to do with the kids this weekend. Does that make sense? Right? Does this feeling feel congruent to what's right in front of you? Well, no, that one's also not fucking true, which tells me that thinking in the current moment is absolutely not the way that I'm going to go. Right? So now I can feel my thinking and I can say, wow, if I'm not a good husband, I'm not a good father, what is that going to make me feel? Oh, it would make me feel really defensive. Well, that's what I'm feeling right now. Okay, well, those are not true narratives. So I can unpack that pretty quickly. And then I can feel the feeling, which is like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm anger. This is low frequency. This I'm protecting something. This has nothing to do with what's in front of me. Hmm. There it is. And so where I think thoughts become very effective, I mean, shit, I have had relationships with monies that I've had to unpack that way. I had a relationship with a truck that I bought that was connected to a period of my life and an identity that I had irrational thoughts and feelings around that the quadrant allowed me to challenge. What am I feeling and what am I actually thinking and what do I believe to be true in this current moment? Because it's the lack of congruence in those things that creates the resistance and the integrating for people. And so that's where, again, to challenge just at least the perspective, I know you say you don't deal with thoughts. I don't either. I deal with the source. But I use what people have access to, which is thoughts and feelings, to be able to reconcile and understand themselves more clearly. Yeah. That's the art of our, hmm, let's go say industry, but it's really an art itself is what we're doing. We're creating the facilitation of how can I, and your style is different than, than my style. And that's like the perfect thing because there are people that just really need, I mean, literally when, as you were speaking, I was like, oh yeah, you're, you're, Each like, of you're nicer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's really important. Your style meets them, you know, where they are in a way that, you know, mine does a whole different thing. It's like really, this is, it's the beauty of it because it means that there's no competition ever in what we do. And that's the thing is that for any healer, any guide, any person to just put themselves into the experience that all we're trying to do is provide a more clear reflection of who they are to themselves while not projecting our own energy or creating interference because of the past that we either have from an egotistical, intellectual, or emotional lens because of what we're still carrying. And so for me, it's about understanding that individual as quickly as possible to know when I need to pick them up and give them a hug. And when I need to kick him in the fucking ass and tell him they're fucking shit up in their life. Because I will tell you, you said, oh, he's nicer. Sometimes, sometimes I'm not. I didn't quite, quite mean it in the nice, in the way we sort of normally use the word nice. Okay. But yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but where I was going with that is like that, I would believe the same thing is true for you though, is that you can balance between soft and hard oh, in massively. delivery depending on how it needs to be received in that moment. And I've had clients who literally have said to me, you're pissing me off right now great. Good. What the fuck are you feeling? <laughs> like, let's talk about that. Let's go. Like, I'm making you actually feel something that's causing you to actually go deeper. You're welcome. That means what I'm doing is effective. And if you can't sit in that and you don't have the desire or courage for me to hold you in your truth, whether it's soft or hard, then you're not ready for what I'm going to do with you. And they usually don't sign up anyway, do they? I'm not going to protect you. <laughs> no. Yes. Like my job isn't to protect them. My job is to guide them and make them feel protected, but realize they're learning how to be safe regardless of protection because of what we're teaching them about themselves. And it has that's nothing to do with it me. Is. It's about yes. how do you get more reliant on you and less reliant on what's outside of you? Yes. This is it. This is it. Right? If there's anything I can do to piss you off, we've still got work to do ultimately, like just to go straight to the bottom, you know, in one fell swoop, right? If there's anything that I can possibly do that angers you, you are welcome. What is that for you? Where do you feel that in your body? 
Anger is armor. So if you feel anger, what are you protecting? Yeah. That's the first question to ask. Because you said it perfectly as well. It's like anger literally is there to project and push people away. It is. It is. And by the way, it's not a primary emotion. It's a secondary emotion. It is. Which means that it's in reaction to something deeper. And so if you stop at anger, you will always be stuck there. Yes. And it's important. It is there. It's in reality. Feel it. Express it. Not at the other person. doesn't have anything to do with them. Go to your... I have a great anger exercise, actually, that literally... I didn't get angry for when I was young for about 13 years. That's amazing. And when I found it again, it was very hard to unearth. And it was through this exercise and I teach it to my clients. And I think I'm going to create a video of it actually and put it on YouTube because it's extraordinary. It's, it's Send that to me when it's done. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see yeah. that. I think it's great. I'm always looking for different modalities and things for helping people in moments. And I don't sit here and claim that just because it's the way that we do something, it's the right way to do something. I'm always same. eager to learn more. Same, same. We need as many tools, as many modalities as possible to help people move. Because again, it's about each individual, not what you and I have. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I just wanted to tack that on because it's important because a lot of people have negative connotation mm-hmm. around anger. And again, there's no positive or negative. If that, that's what you're feeling right now, that is the reality of the moment, then express that. Honor it. It's human. Two things that are important about that. A, this is yours, not the other person's. They didn't make you angry. That's not a thing, right? So own it and express it, but express it on your own because if you express it at another person, right, then you're distorting it and then you're sort of back to square one. So I will, I'll put that video up and uh, tag you in it. Yeah, that'd be beautiful, my friend. Killer. (sighs) I love connecting with you. Likewise. I just love it. Easy. Likewise. Easy and flow. So give us a little brief rundown. We'll end here in just a few minutes. Who do you work with if you want to say? Mm -hmm. Who would you like to reach out to you? Here, it's really about presence and beingness. Your authenticity has come through today, like just like a stamp of bam, this is who I am. So to me, it feels really strong. Like the people who are listening and know they want to work with you, I feel like they already know they want to work with you. So what can they expect? Who are you looking for? And how can they find you? So I always talk in two respects because I have the people that I work with most closely. And then I have what we believe is what's going to create the broad impact in the world. A lot of individuals who work with me individually are typically high-performing individuals in business, typically entrepreneurs, but not always. There's many in the corporate space. But they are ones that have already reached a level of success, have already had what I'm going to call external financial success, have had some established rhythm of building something, but they are all of a sudden waking up in their life and realizing that they aren't feeling the way that they want to feel. They're not having the results in their business. They're not having the connection with their wives or spouses. They're not having the relationship with their kids. I said wives or spouses because I work largely with men. I do work with women as well. But largely in my one-to-one work, I work with men. So that's what we call our intensive. We have one days, we've got coaching stuff in one-to-one. And it's all really where we look at our kind of our coaching. We have then what I believe, I want zero barrier of entry for everybody to get the help they need in some form mm-hmm. or fashion. Yes. Because I realize that I'm a four and five ticket offer for people to access us in a one-to-one or even in many group capacities at our retreats and things. But to your point exactly, I've been there. I know what it feels like. I don't want anybody to ever be stuck there because of their inability to pay. 
So I do believe in skin in the game. So we run challenges where we've created an app that creates connection and community. And we do micro lessons in 10 minutes or less per day to show people what's possible in as little as 10 minutes per day in terms of moving in your life through your biggest problems and the things that have kept people stuck. There have been over 12,000 positive actions taken in the last two months alone from the participants. That's beautiful. To identify and take out the trash from their past. And we've had people sever toxic relationships with a 30-year pattern with a mother, repair 50-year relationships with siblings, sever and start businesses, gone deeper in relationships, marital couples. I mean, I'm talking, this is impacting humanity. And the challenge is $8. Why I say this is if that's a financial hurdle for anybody, I want to know directly because we have another path to help you. But we also have a community that is open to vulnerable, authentic people who are willing to come in and actually talk about their experience in life, business, health, and relationships. And that is $44 a month. The reason I say those two price points is not because I want anything from you, but to set the expectation that there's no slime, there's no grime. But our community, you get 30 days for free and the challenge we run every single month. And so if you're just looking to dabble and you're not wanting to jump in all the way to the extreme like Domini would do, you can dabble. If you want to jump all the way to the extreme, then we've got many pathways to help through retreats, one-to-one coaching and group programs that we can get you moving in as little as six weeks or as much as a year, depending on what your path is required. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I'll, I can put your website in the show notes if you'd like. Is that the best way to reach out? Yep. I would say website. And then if you're on social media, at Bogart Brian on any channel, we're really active there. And then you know speaking and all the other things. It's like, we just want to help. So at the end of the day, if you have an inkling or an intrigue, our goal is to seek alignment in every interaction. So I have no desire to influence, convince, or pressure anyone just to give them the opportunity to what it would look like to align with us and walk down this path with our guidance and support. And so I want everyone to know that there's no expectation beyond reach out and we'll evaluate. Hmm. Beautiful. So in this way, you can feel as you're listening you can feel Brian creating that sense of safety, right? So a lot of what we a lot of what we do is as we are teaching, as we're teaching you a technique to do X, Y, and Z, we're often modeling X, Y, and Z at the same time. It facilitates the growth and it honestly comes naturally after you've just done it for a certain amount of time. That's really important. Also, if you don't feel like you're not called to work with either of us, as you go looking for a coach, for a therapist, look for that element. Look for, are they embodying what you're saying? Even if you just put your prices out and said, just so you know, nothing shady here. This is how much it costs for this thing. Great. Just the clarity, the authenticity, the courage of that, right? Stepping in with clarity. So you can see he's modeling what he's teaching. That shows a level of evolution. It's actually quite easy to see how far people have gone in themselves. People can only teach as far as they have gone. So speaking to people who are curious and want to keep their eyes out for that, speaking to people who are already working with someone and not getting results, consider the possibility you may have out-evolved your facilitator. Every coach has a season. Uh-huh. Therapists, same thing. I've spoken to a lot of people. Oh, if a person's talking about their therapist, about in about two sentences, if you tell me two things they've said, I can tell you that person's level of evolution because of how they say it, words that they use. And it's, it's not bad or good, but relative to the person I'm speaking to that they may or may not be able to lead that person any longer. So, you know, not everybody needs or wants a super highly evolved, you know, the deep wisdom mystics. That's perfectly fine. Just have someone who can guide you 
right? If there's collusion, if there's, you know, judgment, that type of thing coming from your facilitator, then you know where they are. Is that where you want to be? Or do you want to go beyond that? I'm going to use trust for a second, even though I know it's a word that you don't like. Hmm, but no, I want no, no. everybody to I want everybody to trust what you are feeling when you sit with someone that you are evaluating. Can they take you further? Pay attention to what you're feeling. Pay yes. attention to your energy. Do you feel safe? Do you feel open? Are you willing to share things even in a way that you might not with other people? Are you feeling seen? Right? And I want you to pay attention to that because if you're not feeling that, that's also as important of a sign. Yes. Because if you don't have deep resonance with the person that is going to take you further, it can also open up and create a further ripple effect of damage. I was just talking with someone the other day that was actually a guest on one of our shows. We have a coaching show so that if somebody can't afford coaching, they can apply to go on our trash talk show. And in a 20 to 30 minute episode, we literally do free coaching for the folks in exchange for the fact that they're going to be willing to publish it, right? Hmm. And we get off the call and literally this young woman who just has an incredible heart and has a really interesting story that makes complete sense why she's where she's at and what she's experiencing said at the end, I have never been able to talk about all these topics and feel so calm, relaxed, and centered at the end. Hmm. Never with a therapist, never with anyone else, never with my family, never with my other coaches. And she said, literally at the end of the time, she felt lighter. She felt she had more perspective. She felt less blame and shame from herself on the things that she discovered than she'd been carrying in the past. And so what I really want to reflect back for you is, is whoever's guiding you, do they want something from you or for you? Mm. You will feel it in the energy and the emotion that you experience when you're interacting with that person. Listen to and trust what your own body is telling you because it's telling you there's either resonance or there's not, but either one deserves your attention. Yes. Yes. That's where I go immediately with people straight into the body, learning to recognize the signs because that's the source in our human experience. First thing you're going to feel it is in your body. And the amount of information that we dismiss from there is extraordinary. Probably 90% oh. of the things you're going to come to us for could be solved by listening to your body. <laughs> I didn't realize how much I was actively suppressing unconsciously for years when I started to bring it into awareness and then I would realize literally the pattern of it would rise and it would be shut off so quickly, like by instinct, by cellular patterning and reaction. Oh, yeah. And I had to pause in those moments, which suck, by the way, mm -hmm. pause in those moments to extend that feeling that I know is going to feel like shit. Mm -hmm. But it's allowing me to at least feel it and experience it as truth and for what is real so that I can sit there long enough for it to tell me what it's pointing me towards. Mm. When you suppress, when you push down, whether consciously or unconsciously, it is avoidant behavior to the path of healing because you don't trust that you're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's saying no to life. I mean, shutting right down. Life goes here, a wave, and you go, mm -mm, nope, Yep. shut that shit down. Did it for years and it's Bingo. deeply, deeply unconscious. This is such a subtle thing for so many times, but look for it. 
listeners, look for it because the more you look for it, the more you'll start catching the more obvious ones, then you'll start catching more subtle ones. And then you're strengthening a muscle of self-awareness in a time of trigger, which is, you know, the hardest time to be self-aware. Bingo. So beautifully said. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well done. Thank you so much. Dude, I love chatting with you. Your time is so valuable. And I'm just, I'm like so honored that you've brought me into your world, that you're willing to come into mine. I just think you're great. Well, reflected right back at you, my friend. Thank you for creating a platform for me to come pour good into the world and to have the opportunity to connect with you further because it's always meaningful and it's always moving. And so thank you. Yeah, my absolute pleasure. So with that, we will wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all so much for joining me. I honestly think we probably could have gone on for another hour. But again, trying to be a little respectful of Brian's time. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you've got mad value for this. And I will see you on the next one. Take care, guys. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Art of Attraction. This is Domini Drew signing off and reminding you that if you love this podcast, please hit that subscribe button, rate us five stars, and most importantly, share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. See you next time.